0: My name is Trip Gorman, and in this episode of Sumia VC, I sat down with Christian Jacobson. He's the co-founder and CEO of Crema, a payment solution tailor-made for creators, makers, and independent professionals, offering everything you need to operate smoothly and worry-free as a business of one. Christian previously held roles at VEDA, a corporate startup generator. He was also previously co-founder of OKBoy okay and Agave Blanco. In this episode of Samir VC, we discussed how his startup OK Boy collapsed due to the mafias that operate in the Mexican propane delivery market. We talked about Mexico City as a founder and VC ecosystem, including discussion about specific neighborhoods where they live and meet up like La Roma, Condesa, Polanco, and Del Valle. We talked about why Christian is betting big on Mexico for the long term, and while others might not be. We also discussed if you could be a VC or startup founder in Mexico City as a non-Spanish speaker. We talked about all this and more in this episode of Samia VC. Christian, could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Crema?
1: Yeah, so, um, so I'll, I'll do the, the, the most interesting part, I, I think, because there's some parts that aren't that interesting where I worked at Dell and stuff like that. Um, but I think the most interesting part starts where I went to to Mexico. I moved to, to Mexico. Uh, and then you know, I, I found myself in, in the ecosystem of you know entrepreneurship here in, in Mexico, which very lucky for me, I entered in in the venture builder called Strategy that has created some some startups, at least in, in Mexico, that are pretty, pretty well known. Uh, also, the founders of that venture builder are, are pretty well-known entrepreneurs here in, in Mexico. So I was very lucky to to enter into that venture builder, to enter into that ecosystem, um, and obviously learning a lot on how to build startups right from from scratch. Basically, what we what we did there. Um, then after that, obviously, I went to um, a startup generator called Beta, where it's very very similar. The only difference is that we created startups uh, together with corporations. So what we did basically is um, a corporation came and said, "Hey, I need to innovate. Uh, I want to see if I can, you know, make a startup." Um, and so we did, you know, all the research, user research, everything in their industry, in their market, uh, with the idea that we're going to take advantage of the competitive advantages that the company has, right? Uh, make a startup have a have a flying start, you could say. So, so that's what we did. We we created startups with with several corporations here in in, in Mexico. That obviously, for me, was a great experience. Just, just because you can you can fail with other people's money, right? You don't have to do it with with your own money. Uh, I think that's something super valuable. You know, you, you learn a lot about how to how to create a startup, how, what stuff not to do. Like we were, we were spending like ridiculous amounts of money on, on marketing and stuff like that. That, as as a startup founder, you would never do because you have to really take care of your runway uh, many times. So, so that's kind of the, the stuff that I learned, um, in especially that, that last experience. And obviously, from there, I went, um, I tried different different stuff that you can you can see on my my LinkedIn. Um, but I went on to create um okay boy which is like an uber for for propane gas in in mexico basically the problem that that we were solving was um propane gas in mexico which is the most used gas in in mexico that you use for cooking you use it for heating your water and everything like that is just in the 50s right the the biggest innovation that's been in that market is whatsapp right that you can ask for for your gas in, in whatsapp um so we were like how can we how can we change that how can we innovate here and obviously uber was a model that, that made a lot of sense you know give a lot of visibility to the users uh let them see you know when when is the dude coming how much is the, the price uh I choose between different companies as well right so so we we did that it went pretty well but it wasn't like a a market that was very i was very passionate about you know it's it's gas <laughs> Uh, and in addition, there were several problems with like mafias in, in Mexico City that, that made it very difficult to operate. Um, so so it wasn't like an industry I was very, very passionate about. Um so I decided I to to leave that, and that's kind of where I was finding myself, you know, giving advice to, to other founders inside Veta, um, helping them with how to create startups and what we've done in the past, and then also together with my now current. Co-founder Ramon start to ideate what today is is Crema, you know? so that's kind of the the whole background of of what I did before for creating Crema. Or right now I'll tell you a little bit about what it is and what we do. Um, but also in the meantime, like any entrepreneur, uh, I was freelancing, you know, to have some extra money on the side, also to to give operations to to the business. Um, so that's kind of an experience that I, I had to do to keep the business afloat to keep my my personal life afloat and then based on that experience of being a freelancer of of working with with companies um one problem that always 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 came up with with them was getting paid right um so many times as a freelancer usually what happens is you get so excited that you got a new client right you kind of forget of of what's gonna happen when you finish the job, right? Getting paid, which is the most important part for, for a freelancer. Um, so you kind of forget about that. It goes into like a, a forgotten book while you're working on the project. You don't really want to be charging your client as well because that's not your core as a freelancer. Usually you're a freelancer because you're very good at, you know, design or uh consulting or accounting or whatever it is. You're not like you're not like a, a professional collector, right? Um, so that's something that's well, for a lot of freelancers it's a pain to 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 be doing that all the time and it takes the focus away from actually delivering what you were supposed to deliver and um, mm-hmm. so that's kind of the problem that that we saw that we wanted to solve uh, obviously there's plenty of problems for, for freelancers right but this was like a, a pain that we had um because it's 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 really hard right when when you have to be after your clients hey, can you pay me? Can you pay me? Can you pay me? Can you pay me? You create a lot of friction too. So if you were hoping to retain the client, right? Keep working with them. If you keep charging them like that, at some point there's going to be so much friction that either you or the client is going to be like, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll work with someone else next time. So that's not something that you want because you usually work hard to get clients, right? That's, I think, the most difficult part of being a freelancer is getting the client. It's why there are so many solutions like Upwork, Fiverr, freelancer.com, and so many solutions that focus on connecting freelancers with clients. So it's very, very hard, that part. But a lot of things happen in between, right? So if you don't use one of those platforms and you find your own clients, you still have to manage them, right? Which is very, very difficult, Usually you're you're one person, so you don't have like a team who can manage your clients, charge them financing department accounting and everything like that. So that's kind of the, the the things that we wanted to change with crema. We wanted to help freelancers charging their clients, make it super easy for them to charge and for the freelance for the clients to pay them, actually, pay them the way they want, give them terms that they usually have with other providers that you also want with, with freelancers. So that's kind of what we, we went through to to build what Crema is, is today. And obviously we have bigger plans of, of what Crema
0: can be, but that's where where we are today, more or less. Could you discuss a little bit more about why Mexico City in the first place? And then we'll continue on to ask, why is Crema uniquely situated in Mexico and, and, and what that kind of advantage is there?
1: Yeah. So, so well, I, I'm in Mexico City because my, my wife is Mexican. Um, So I met her in, in San Francisco where I was studying um, at the university of San Francisco, we met there and then obviously a little after the studies, we, we stayed there to work and, and, and stuff like that, but we decided to, to, to go to, to Mexico. i would never you know, lived in, in Mexico before. So it seems interesting. The times that I visited, I really liked it. So I was like, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's see what's, what's good there. And it's, it's been really cool. I think Mexico city is probably one of the hottest cities right now in terms of, of touristing, but also in in terms of, of a growing startup scene, for example. So that's kind of cool that, that we're, we're in the middle of that right now. Uh, obviously it helps us in in Crema, for example, in in terms of of fundraising, because there's a lot of interest in in Mexican startup In, in Mexico city. A lot of VCs, a lot of angels come to, to, to Mexico to meet entrepreneurs. So, so yeah, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in, in, in Mexico um that are making the 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 startup scene grow i think it's interesting to see entrepreneurs that usually come from the us or from europe Mm -hmm. whatever that come in and and contribute to the ecosystem and and help maybe people from mexico people from Latin that maybe don't have the same experience in raising capital in growing big businesses so so they're coming to to help us out and i think that's that's great and that's what's helping the, the ecosystem In addition to obviously the, all the VCs and and stuff like that, that are coming to, to visit. And then Mexico as a country is incredibly big. There's a lot of opportunities. You see it, all the fintechs that are, are coming out because of, um, the breach between financial inclusion that, that exists, obviously. there's so many other markets that are are ready to be to be innovated i think that's what's interesting just because the market is is huge right and if you look at Latam as well i think i think i don't remember the the number there's 540 million people in in Latam. a lot of opportunities to explore there for us obviously we took the the freelancer route there's 13 million freelancers in, in mexico alone there's 54 million in Latam. there's 59 in the us right so so there's a lot of opportunity for us to to create something that can give value to, to a small percentage of, of these people, right? That don't have access to to financial products. They don't have access to a lot of stuff that uh a lot of the Western worlds already have. But also if you're in payroll, let's say in a company, you have that access, right? With banks and everything like that. So that's what we're we're trying to change. And I think Mexico is a very, very interesting country of opportunity for what we're, we're trying to build.
0: I've talked to some people in the past that previously worked at Uber and they said the taxi unions kind of operated a little bit like mafias. And in your intro answer, you said that there were issues with mafias uh, when you were founding OK Boy. Could you go into yeah. a little more detail on that?
1: Yeah, so so <laughs> uh, I, I don't really know that much about oh, how the taxi industry works, but I can tell you exactly how, how the gas industry works. So there's... <laughs> independently if you're part of a company or not you usually have like a zone that's like your zone let's take la roma which is a unknown neighborhood in mexico there's uh x number of of uh gas suppliers there right and we're not talking about companies we're talking about people but just because the the way that it works in mexico is that you as a person you buy a gas truck you buy the licensing rights of a brand, let's say um Sony Gas or or Global Gas, you buy the rights to have that brand on your on your truck, but you operate as a business, right? So there's a lot of people who have their own businesses and obviously their interest is to sell more, right? And their interest is to have an area that, are, that is theirs. And if someone comes in and tries to sell gas in your area, that obviously affects your business, right? So little by little, just because of this environment, they started to create like mafias. Like, hey, Trip, let's protect this area together, make sure no one comes in. So they, they started forming like small syndicates, you could say, or, or mafias that would protect each area, right? And then when an app like OK Boy comes along that lets users ask for gas from whoever... And we just send the closest one that might not be one of the mafia guys. This guy comes into the area, he fills up gas for the client. And what usually happens is that they they block him, right? They block this this gas truck, they stop him, he can't move anywhere. And they come out and threaten him sometimes with, you know, beating him up, sometimes with guns. Um, and they, there have been been killings like just because of territory management. So that's kind of the 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 mafias that that they have in, in in Mexico City. Just because it's it's a very lucrative business too, right? So we were talking to to several of these guys who not only had one trip, but they had ten, and they were making millions of dollars a year. Um, and obviously they have their interest to protect their their own business, right? And they, the only way they know how to protect it is with mafia
0: activities. What an answer! What an answer! Could you, could you tell the American that's thinking about going to Latin America or the European that's coming to Latin America to start a startup uh, obviously that was the, a very interesting story that is is tough to follow but what else should they know about building in Latin America and uh feel free to just give one crazy example if that's something that you have in your Arsenal uh,
1: um I don't know if I have any, any any crazy examples but I think what's what's if what's important to know is that there's a lot of uh things that we take for granted, you could say, in, in the US and, and Europe, uh, stuff like infrastructure, uh, that you don't really have here. Um, obviously it's it's becoming better and better every every single day, but because of corruption, because of what's, what's happening in politics, the money that you pay as a taxpayer is not reflected in in your day-to-day life, right? Because there's a lot of corruption. They take it into their own pockets. So that's kind of stuff that you have to be aware of that stuff is going to take a lot longer, right? Making a company is going to take longer too, right? In the US, I think you can create a company in, in in 10 days, right? You have a C-Corp in Delaware in 10 days. Here in Mexico, it's going to take you three to six months, right? To have a have an operating entity. So that's kind of stuff that that takes time that you have to take uh, into consideration. But I think given that, that's exactly what gives you the opportunity to do a lot of stuff, right? So there's so many interesting places where you can just create something because there's so many problems. And that's what what makes the market so so interesting because something that you would never think of as a problem because in your life it works, right? Where you live, but in Mexico or in LATAM, in any country, basically in LATAM, that is a big problem, right? What you thought was normal is just not possible, right? And and fixing that could be, you know, a billion dollar business without you even, even thinking that it would be something in the US, right? So that's kind of something that's that's very interesting, but it's also, you know, it calls for, for irritation sometimes, right? You're just like, ah, oh, man, how can it take so long to create a company here? How can it take so long to go to the bank and get a bank account? How can it take so long to to file for your taxes or get your tax ID? So there's there's a lot of stuff that that are, are annoying, you could say, but it also gives gives access to to opportunities and to solve
0: problems. That's very interesting. How did you go about funding for Crema?
1: Yeah, so so we um, we started fundraising right away, like when we got an idea. We were like, okay, let's first of all let's get some funding to to get this uh, idea on on its legs at least. Um, so we knew we we had something obviously when we were talking about the idea when we kind of made the first you could say mini MVP because it was really a mini MVP of literally a a Stripe payment link. But we saw that it worked, right? So we were like, okay, this is something. Let's get some funding. Um, so we started by going to the startup generator where where both of us worked for VETA, like I told you. And we said, "Hey, we have this idea. Do you guys want in on it?" And luckily for us, they they said yes. Yeah. So so they gave us a uh, hundred thousand dollars for for that. So that gave us a little bit of of peace of mind, obviously, to to go about what we wanted to. Obviously, it gave me some time to to set up a fundraising process a little bit more structured. It gave uh, Ramon, my co-founders, some time to to develop the technology, to also um, look at who who we could hire to to help with technology, and then what we also wanted to do was to to get a lot of entrepreneurs in on the journey, right? Because a lot of times people go straight to VCs, for example, in in the early days, which unless you're very very Known founder of your, you've had an exit or you've been very successful. It's gonna be very difficult to get VC money, uh, in in the start, right? So you're better off with angels. Um, we've decided to go after entrepreneurs, uh, that could help us along the way. So you could say strategic entrepreneurs more than anything, with the idea that they are also going to not only help us get as clients, but they're also going to help us further down the line in our next funding round with intros to, to VCs, with intros to angels and, and, and that stuff. So that's kind of how we thought about it. Obviously, along the way, those entrepreneurs just created intros with VCs right away so that we could get some some funding from, from, from some micro funds. Uh, so that helped us out a little bit too. And right now, we are we are going to most likely prepare for, for a round that's going to be in, in October, November, uh, which would be our... I don't know what you were going to call it, but pre-seed, seed, something like that. Um, and hopefully we can take advantage of, of the effort that we did per, principally in creating a, a network of entrepreneurs and, and small angels that can help us to, to raise money now from, from maybe some, some bigger VCs.
0: I love it. I've uh, a question that might be off topic, but it's something near to my heart. Cause I love domains and crema's domain is crema.cm. Why'd you pick yeah. crema.cm? <laughs> I didn't even know that was a top level domain. Uh, I'll be honest. I thought it was a typo. So the first email I sent was to.com, but right. um, I, I love it. So why'd you choose cm?
1: Yeah. So, so I think the, the, there should be a little bit of background here. So so crema is a conjunction of two words, which is creators and makers. Um, so that's kind of how we came up with crema because the solution is for creators, people who create, people who, who make a lot of stuff, people that make stuff happen. So that's kind of how crema was was born, right? Uh crema. And then CM, just because we didn't want to buy the dot com, it was expensive. Um, hopefully it was. When we have enough money, we can we can buy the .com, but we said, so what what is it that we want from the domain? Because if you don't have a .com, it doesn't really matter if you have .io, .app, whatever, right? It's going to be difficult to to find either way. So he said, let's try .cm for creators and makers. Um, so there's like a double, 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 you could say, uh, and it would it worked. But I don't, I don't. Not really sure where CM like the the country it originates from, but doesn't really matter. <laughs> that's what we have right now. Hopefully, one day in the future we'll have the .com too.
0: But that's that's kind of the the answer there. Why why the .cm domain? You you said you're not sure where it is. I just googled it. It's Cameroon. So it's we'll Cameroon. say thank you to the <laughs> Agency of Technology of Cameroon for for yes. helping Krumba there. <laughs> thank but you, um. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll continue on in, in, in some of your previous answers, you've discussed how Mexico city as a tech scene is growing and, it, and it, it's very vibrant right now. Could you go into more depth about how that's helped you as, uh, you know, both a person? Cause I, I've talked in previous, my guests have talked in previous interviews on building a tech city. Part of it is having the opportunity to, to live your life with other people that are in the industry. So tell us mm-hmm. about that whole holistic, uh, perspective on how Mexico city is growing as a tech city and and how you interact with it on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think it comes, it comes back to, to what happened. You could say like four or five years ago where, where startups in, in Mexico were creating buzz you know there was Kavak there was Confio, there was Kueski startup that that started raising a lot of money from 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 other VCs like in in the U.S. for example so that created more and more buzz obviously of, of what you could do right and being a Mexican startup it gave hope to a lot of entrepreneurs I think from that point on a bunch of entrepreneurs were were born because it was possible right now um so that kind of helped uh, more people becoming entrepreneurs I think also um, VCs and foreign entrepreneurs coming into Mexico seeing how how cool Mexico is and trying to live there you know the cost of living is, is much lower there's a lot of stuff to do here um, so they came in and they were looking for you know a startup scene or start, startup ecosystem that didn't really exist you know it was very closed um, so they kind of helped opening it up you know making it more accessible to everyone because before, it was just the the elite founders who were just getting getting together in in, in dinners, right? But now they the foreign uh, founders and, and VCs came in, started creating events, started you know opening up the ecosystem much more to make it more accessible for you know the everyday founder, you could say. Um, and obviously, part of it is is community, right? So you as a founder, you want to belong. You know, it's very difficult for you. You're you're alone. Uh, maybe you have a girlfriend or a wife or a boyfriend or, or a husband, they don't really understand what you're trying to do. They don't understand how heavy the weight is on your shoulder a lot of times. So you get together with entrepreneurs who understand it and you can have a much more honest conversation. I think that's gonna, that's super important to create that community in the ecosystem. I think it's, it's what has helped the ecosystem in Mexico grow a lot. Uh, thank you to the, the foreign founders, the VCs that came in, opened it up. And now, obviously, all of these founders are getting together, getting to know each other, trying to help out as much as they can, right? Because we want everyone to succeed usually. Um, so that's kind of what happens as well. Um, and daily, there are events right now, right? In, in Mexico City, there's events um, for for everything, which is, is pretty awesome. Um, and that's kind of how you get together and you get to know other people as well, people who can help. Help you with this or that. make intros, um, be your new client, right? Um, and I think it's everything is based off of a common honesty and, and understanding that we we have. You know, right? Being founder is hard. Let's try to help help, help each other out with it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what, how I see the 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 scene moving right now.
0: I'm gonna ask a, a three part follow up to that because. I think if I may, I think a lot of the Americans, they hear about Mexico City, they hear about uh, the the tech scene, but they might not understand all the different pieces of it, myself included. So I, I, have, I have three little pieces that I would like to, to, to know more about. Geographically, where in Mexico City are all these founders living? Is it concentrated in a certain group of neighborhoods? Uh, are the conversations that are being had, are they in English? Or are they in Spanish? Or are they both? Are they more English, more Spanish? Um, and then finally, are, are you, you have a wife that's, that's Mexican. So is this, is this a long-term, you know, multiple decades you are going to live there uh, for the rest of your life or do you see yourself going somewhere else. And then, and then how does that compare to some of the other Americans who, uh, you know, they say they live in Mexico now, but you know, maybe they're, they're, they're already planning their move back to their home city in the U S within the next five to 10 years. So I, that is a lot to answer. If you want me to repeat parts of that, please let me know, don't feel pressured, but I'd love to know all about that.
1: Yeah. So I, I think, um, the language that's spoken is a mix I would I would say because obviously a lot of people come in and like, they don't know Spanish, they don't speak Spanish. So try to facilitate that um, by speaking Spanish. but obviously being in in Mexico the the official language is Spanish. So if you can speak it, obviously that's going to give you a plus in 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 the locals book you could say and make it a lot easier for you to connect with them. Um, but a lot of the events, a lot of the the, the get-togethers are in, are in English just because it makes it easy for everyone. I think uh, most of the founders in Mexico need let them speak English. There's not really a problem there. Uh, and then where in which neighborhoods um, do all these founders live? So it's very, very diverse, yeah, I would say. But let's say the foreign founders or the foreign VCs usually live in the area that's la roma y condesa which is like the you could call it the, the hip neighborhoods and here in mexico city but they also tend to be in, in polanco sometimes okay. right which is like the more more fancy neighborhood um so that's kind of where you can see most foreign founders but you also see you know local founders that are there because that's where a lot of things are happening you could also see that they are living in um la del valle which is another area here which is more up and coming a lot of it's it's cheaper just because la roma and condesa became very expensive so there's a neighborhood very adjacent who's up and coming is cheaper for for founders to live so that's kind of where you will find a lot of founders but in, in those four neighborhoods is, is where a lot of the, the activities are, are, are found um and then to transfer <laughs> the the question about um how I'm, I'm thinking about mexico and how other people are thinking about mexico in terms of staying long term and stuff like that so i i am invested obviously in staying here just because my company is here my 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 wife said my son is from from mexico so staying here is, is for me obviously what I'm, I'm thinking about but i also want them to to you know try other other cultures live everywhere else because it has worked well for me right so I didn't just live in, in Mexico I've been living in, in four different cities uh, and experiencing how that has helped me in, in different terms so I want that for obviously for my kid I want that for 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 him when he grows up Um, I couldn't answer you how long I plan to, to stay in Mexico but I think it's it is long term it's not you know just the next year it's most likely the next five six seven years and then we'll see and in terms of people who come in i think people come let's say americans they come they see this is a growing uh, ecosystem and i think the the investment that they're gonna make is gonna be based on if the ecosystem stays that well stays that way if it stays growing if it's fruitful yes, they're going to stay longer. If it stops being that they're going to go back. Right. I think that's the, the, the answer to to that question. Obviously the quality of life in Mexico is, is incredibly high. Um, it's, you know, the perfect weather all, all year round. The food is amazing. So, so there are people, or there are things that can most likely, uh, contribute to them staying. If uh, the ecosystem doesn't keep growing; it doesn't keep being fruitful. But I think, in in the most sense, people will stay if the ecosystem gives them what they need. Uh, make sure that they they grow in their careers, and if it doesn't, they're just gonna go to the next growing uh ecosystem. Right, I think that's kind of the what's gonna go on,
0: gonna happen. I'm certainly putting my eggs in the Latin America basket. So hopefully it continues to grow. And I I think it certainly will. Um, So finally, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question, but with a uniquely Samia VC twist. What important truth about Mexico or Latin America do very few people agree with you on?
1: Um, It's a very, very difficult question. Um, Just because I I don't think that I hold anything super contrarian in terms of of mexico or latam i think it's it maybe was contrarian a couple of years ago when i first moved here but it's not anymore just because you can see that it's the ecosystem is growing but the amount of, of opportunity i think i've mentioned it before is just tremendous there's so many problems that you can solve i think you can go out in the street in mexico and then you find 10 ideas to make a start right to to improve infrastructure to improve everything that has to do with banking everything that has to do with payments cross-border stuff i think the interaction between countries in Latin is increasing and i think that presents a very very unique opportunity for a lot of startups who can help facilitate those cross-border interactions. I think that's gonna be very, very interesting. I think right now, something interesting is gonna take place with crypto that's gonna make Latin America maybe one of the most important areas in the world for that just because banking is is broken, cross-border is broken, and crypto is gonna help facilitate that. I think that's gonna be very, very interesting. We're certainly seeing that in Crema, you know, you can pay with crypto, you can get paid with crypto. We also see that I think banking in regards to crypto is going to be huge. I think you can create basically a bank. You're not allowed to call it a bank. You can call it an account or whatever. You can create a bank that's going to be completely borderless, make everyone in LATAM and everyone in the world be part of it and you can get access to everything that you have in any other bank in in Mexico or US whatever you can have that completely decentralized i think that's going to be very very big and, and let them and i think in crema for example that's a bet that we're making right now
0: and i think that's going to be something that's going to grow immensely in the next coming years i love it christian thank you so much for taking the time to come on the simia vc podcast today
1: no, thank you so much for having me, Trip.
0: Thank you for watching this episode of Simi VC. My name is Trip Gorman. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. And don't forget to check out our newsletter, Deal Flow LA, which can be found by going to Dealflow.la.